0: In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen. So we just heard these words from the first letter of Peter. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness, into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The writer of First Peter recalls Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. God's saving acts recorded in the book of Exodus, the covenant made between God and the Israelites. The early Christians were a continuation of that covenant, just as you and I are a continuation of that covenant in our time. We are blessed with a covenantal relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Langston Hughes is a much beloved poet. You may know his work, and he reminds us powerfully of this cherished covenantal relationship God has with us in a short little poem he wrote called My People. This is, these are his words. The night is beautiful, so the face of my people. The stars are beautiful, so the eyes of my people. Beautiful also is the sun. Beautiful also are the souls of my people. Langston Hughes calls us beautifully, to remember that we are all God's beloved, no matter what the color of our skin or our circumstance. A Short passage from First Peter pointed back to the Hebrew scriptures, he spoke to this early Christian community and continues to speak to us in our time. Very early on is an invitation, come to him a living stone though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. Jesus was rejected by many, and that community to whom this letter was written would have known rejection in their lives. First Peter's writer continues with a reference to Isaiah 28, when he says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, See, I am laying in Zion a foundation stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. One who trusts will not panic. The imagery of living stones fascinates me, and people of our Holy Land are called living stones. You and I are called to be living stones. Knowing that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, rejected by mortals yet chosen and precious in God's sight, a cornerstone is often the first stone put in place for a building, a stone that has forms that forms the base joining walls, two walls. It's often called a foundation stone and was originally chosen for its support and strength for the building. Other stones were aligned to it. It was the basis for the building, part of the building that gave it its longevity. You'll soon be dedicating a witness stone to remember John C. Wally, a man enslaved with deep roots to St. Matt's. It's a stone that won't be physically here on this plant, and yet will be closely aligned to St. Matt's. First Peter's writer reminds his audience in that new Christian community, they are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you might proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's as if the writer is again hearkening back to another part of Isaiah. I will lead the blind by a road they do not know, by paths they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. We live with the hope that God will not forsake us in our time and will turn our darkness into light we had quite a bit of light in the British world yesterday with the coronation of King Charles and Queen Camilla. How many watched it yesterday? Okay, good number. The Anglican liturgy that we hold dear seemed flawless yesterday. I don't know if there were any glitches. We didn't it wasn't obvious. The music was spectacular. For the first time ever gospel choir in a coronation. And our processional hymn was one of the hymns used, and I was joking with Pam right before the service. I don't know whether they contacted Andrew about that hymn or you planned it, Andrew. I'm not sure which, but either way, we did it. The Archbishop of Canterbury anointed the king with holy oil of chrism, that's the oil of baptism. Holy oil of chrism from Jerusalem a moment in the liturgy that was kept private by the screen that surrounded the king as he was being anointed. And it was a screen that was carefully crafted by the Royal School of Needlework and others. You may have seen this and read the details, but it was a tree that was designed, including the 56 member countries of the Commonwealth. Each leaf had a name of one of the 56 parts of the Commonwealth, and included under the tree were the words from the mystic Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Before King Charles's official life of service were holy moments viewed by millions and protested by some. As I watched, I was very glad not to see any kind of, of upset during the, the procession, to and from the, the cathedral or any of the events of the day, but there were not my king protests that were going on in the background. And then hours later in the US, we had another mass shooting in Allen, Texas. Headlines read eight killed and seven wounded in Texas small shooting. And the shooter was also killed So darkness comes really quickly after there has been light and light returns quickly also. First Peter's writer reminds that early community that they are God's possession and that God will be with them in and through all things. Again, hearkening back to the Hebrew scriptures in Exodus, that early community would have been on the margins in their time being scorned on account of their religious beliefs and identification as followers of Jesus. Their identity would have been that of an outsider. And First Peter's letter gives a message of belonging and purpose to them. God spoke to Moses with these words, now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So that writer, First Peter, was constantly referring back to the Hebrew scriptures. The Israelites wandering in exile and those early Christians were given hope in their time of darkness, just as we are given hope. In our time of darkness, we are God's treasured possessions. Rabbi Stephen Fuchs was a beloved rabbi at Congregation Beth Israel in West Hartford. That congregation had a wonderful ministry of helping Christian clergy better understand the Hebrew scriptures. For over 60 years, they sponsored an annual one-day gathering for clergy and Rabbi Fuchs would occasionally teach at that as towards the latter years of it at that gathering. He was retired when I attended one and heard him. And I remember a Midrash story that he shared with us with us about Abraham. And it goes like this He said, When Abraham was born, the ruler of the world was Nimrod, mentioned earlier in Genesis as a mighty hunter. Nimrod's astrologers tell him of a baby born that will overthrow his kingdom. And so Nimrod orders all babies to be killed. To protect his son, Abraham's father, Terah, hides Abraham in a cave. At the age of three, Abraham wanders out of the cave and being a most precocious child, was hardly a typical three-year-old question that he asked. Who created the heavens and the earth and me? He looked up at the sun and imagined that was the creative force, so he worshiped it all day. That night the moon came out and he thought the moon must be stronger than the sun, so he worshiped the moon all night. When in the morning the sun came out, Abraham reasoned that there must be a God more powerful than both the sun and the moon, who was responsible for creation. So according to this story, Abraham at a very young age chose God, which helps explain why God chose Abraham. A Midrash is what our Jewish sisters and brothers do to expand the stories of Holy Scripture Sometimes those stories help unravel some of what we know in scripture. Abraham was called and chosen by God. Moses was chosen to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. As first Peter reminds us, throughout time, God has chosen people to make a better world. This is the just, caring, and compassionate society that the Hebrew scriptures reveal, and that is an imperative of all the scriptures. What we powerfully see in these stories is a God who never gives up on God's people. A God that ultimately comes among us in human form as Jesus, a gift of love beyond understanding. Jesus gives us hope in our time to be living stones, to follow the ways of Jesus to be a new community of love in our time, to let ourselves be built as a spiritual home. That new community involves a group of people worshiping God together amid a world of people that are increasingly isolated. Church is to be a vibrant community, one where people are in relationship with one another, engaged in conversations and in ministry The point to a better world. You have that kind of community here at St. Matt's. And I invite you as you leave this place today to each be thinking about what it means for you to be a living stone and to come to Jesus in a new and deepened way as this Easter tide unfolds. And know that you are chosen and precious and You're invited to share that good news, however you can, in your words, in your being, in your actions. Let us pray. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen.